Welcome to a special in-person edition of Advantage Connors. Uh, here, sitting at the dinner table with a couple of guests, as always, your host, Brett Connors, here with Jimmy Connors. Yep. And we're going to have to maybe have to start calling this Advantage Connors slash Segura. I, I know. How, uh, what is this, uh, four times now? Uh, on the year. Uh, it might be three or four on the year uh, yeah, alone. But, but always a welcome guest, always. And and the, the great, first of all, uh, always good to be with you, Brett, and uh, a belated happy birthday. We had a, thank you, thank you. a great time on your birthday. We went out, had a great dinner, and as always, your mom made a chocolate chip pound cake, which is almost uh, gone almost gone already. <laughs> so uh, it was great. But, you know, for uh, Spencer always to come on, he, you know, he comes uh, and, and, and he brings it. I mean, he's, you know, he says it like it is. And I, and I kind of like that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, in tennis, out of tennis, uh, you know, the life he's led mm -hmm. you know, around his dad and, and uh, the experience, you know, not only in the tennis, but in from being a lawyer and being an investor and being a world traveler, world traveler. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of his, his episodes are some of our, our most listened to on the year. So I think he he likes coming on. I, I think he's starting to fun. get uh, you know I, pulled aside in airports. Hey, aren't you that guy from the podcast? <laughs> I might be. Uh, <laughs> I, I never realized how um, powerful the internet and and you know these these things are. You know, had my daughter was coming from Connecticut at fourteen, mm -hmm. and we were in uh, we were in Beverly Hills, and she says she wants to go have a not a Slurpee, but a, one of those smoothies at mm -hmm. this Agua, Agua market. <laughs> Erwan. Erwan. How's a 14-year-old know a market, a brand new market exists in Beverly Hills? Right. The internet, it's so powerful. And then I saw after we talked, there was some people saying, you know, I, I said something about Djokovic, which was sort of like, uh, you know, supportive of that. I felt that he had been sort of mistreated in a way in which I did. Right. And so I was speaking my mind. Watch, I was speaking my mind, and when I saw that... Um, Outside of our podcast, I go, holy Christ! What, I mean, so really, what it what it is amazing is how focused you can get with people who really love tennis or really like follow something, can really communicate with each other and build this kind of community, which I really didn't understand. To the and it's fun. It's fun because you then have something that in common with a lot of people that you you don't see that you can't see them, but you know you can talk about what, and it's it's interesting to you. And so it's interesting to them. It's uh, so I think that's great. Don't disagree with them. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no that's some of the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that is some of the yeah. fun stuff. Is oh, right. Yeah. It is fun though. Like we've built a good little community here. You know, putting putting the putting the pot out every week has been fun, and and having you on is, is a lot of fun, and. and you know, hoping to keep growing and growing and, and have you on more in the future. Well, thank you. I mean, I love, I love doing it. I, you know, I loved to, from my dad and growing up with tennis, I learned a lot about tennis. I wasn't that good a player, but I learned a ton. And as a result, I kind of feel like I know what I'm talking about. But, mm -hmm. Since, you know, I know you tried to play and you traveled right. with Jimmy on yeah. tour. Yeah. Was there a reason you never tried to be a coach? Um, so my dad stopped playing when he was like 39, 40. And at that point, I was 11 years old, and uh, I hadn't played much tennis, so he becomes a pro at a tennis club, Beverly Hills Tennis Club. And at that point, I started playing tennis, so I started a little late. I really did it to hang out with my dad. My parents were divorced, so I wanted to be, if I wanted to be with my dad, I got to play tennis. There's, there's three things you got, you know, with my old man, it was his way out of Ecuador was tennis. Right. And as I've gotten older, I learned, you know, in life, you know, you have your, uh, you have your marriages, you have your kids, but you have to have something that keeps you focused and thinking ahead because life's short and you want goals. And so for my dad, everything was tennis. And so I learned early, you know, his main thing was tennis. You're going to hang out with his son. He's going to take care of him. But you know, tennis might be more important. I mean, to be honest with you. And for champions uh, to be great at things, 
I, but most of the families that I've known, whether they be movie stars or whatever, they're the, the celebrity one was involved primarily in the sport or the celebrity, whatever he was doing. So I had to play tennis to hang out. And so I really didn't know if I loved it. And then I started to really like it more once I was almost done with it. When I was in my 20s, I quit right after college. I played one year, I think, uh, after UCLA. And then uh, I kind of started to like tennis more. And then I started saying, you know what? Why didn't I work on my forehand more? Why didn't I do these things that I just never thought about and never tried to do? Did you play four years at UCLA? Yeah, I played four years at UCLA. It was like, uh, I played like five my last year. I started out higher. I was a head case kind of guy. I played. I had a pretty big serve and it was fast, but I didn't really develop my rest of my game. And as I got older, I got better and better because I was a, I was a pretty good athlete. And so, you know, whatever. And I learned the game. Actually, I always I was around my dad telling everybody how to play, and then I'd watch my dad analyze everybody. He was probably the I'd say one of the best handicapper analysts of people. He could look at a guy's game and tell how good he was going to be almost immediately. And other than the mind part, which you had to see a guy compete, but, right. but he could tell you physically, this is why this guy should be better. And this is why he could be better. I don't know if he will be better, but he certainly can be better. And he'd get that in two seconds. And I learned what he looked for. And I learned how to analyze players. And I could have been easily a sports agent. And my goal actually was I wanted to go out and sign up four or five guys at like 15 to 17 years old and then manage and coach them. Right. And I actually went so far as to go to Wimbledon, pick a couple kids, write letters to them. And then I, then I was, I was becoming a lawyer, but that takes too long, you know, the law school, get a couple, get some money behind me and then go do that. And then the more I thought about it, I go, geez, I want to be in the locker room hanging out with these guys. They're all unpredictable. They're not all Jimbo. <laughs> you know, in other words, they have all their, everybody has their, weaknesses and strengths. And it's very hard to find the real champion strengths mixed with the talent. So you might see a guy with tremendous talent, but he's going to be years developing before we can win. So like, it's like Alcaraz is winning at 21. There might be a guy at 26, like this uh, American who maybe he's going to come on and be a champion. I don't know. I haven't seen him play even as we said last time. So I learned how to at least spot the talent completely. And I, then I also learned the theories behind my dad's, which were score, position in the court, how to play is based on where you are on the court and the score. Mm -hmm. And then in the old days, it was coming to net after you pushed a guy off the court and got him out of the point. So you could take the ball in the air and not have to, you know, rally. It was, mm -hmm. In the old days, it was who made the first big shot and could take advantage of it. So you needed an all-around game, too. You needed a big serve but you need, or a good return. Well, that was his first premise. If you didn't have a big serve or a great return, mm -hmm. you're never going to be a great player because you were immediately in the defense. And those days, the balls didn't bounce high like today. So, right. so then the premise was you have to hit the ball on the rise if you're not a huge guy. Take the ball on the rise and hurt the, come in and end the point. And all the ways to do that I learned from my dad. And Jimmy, picked, Jimmy was one thing. He picked it up at 15. I didn't pick it up till I was 60. <laughs> so, so that was a little bit of the difference. And Jimmy understood that stuff and picked it up like that. Yeah. And so that way of playing, even today, look, Alcaraz is showing a versatility. Guy serves bad on second serve, he's going to move up and go in. Whereas, yeah. whereas Medvedev will stand back at the fence and still yeah. he play the wrong way. I mean, so, so in that sense, I feel I know a lot about the game in, in terms of strategy and, in, and also in terms of strokes, because I spent a lot of time with look, trying to understand why mine didn't work, right. why his did. 
And I looked, there's a couple books. There's actually what Charlie Passarell's coach was, uh, Welby Van Horn. He wrote a great book on basic fundamentals if you want to have an all-around game. Meaning all-around is like topspin, slice, and flat. You can do it all in the same motion without stopping the, you know, the full mo- mm-hmm. The turn and the motion is the same one motion, which is a big thing. My dad and Jimmy's game, if you watch it, everything's one motion. You don't take the bracket back, wait, and then hit. It's because if you turn and get the pivot, all your body weight is going forward. Makes it a much more powerful shot without having just to use your arm. Right. So all those things are yeah. simple stuff, really, right, Jim? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, you're you're when I when I came to California and, and met you and 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 started working with your dad, it was you know I had I had a, a game. My mom had already yeah. given me a game, and your dad understood that. And, yeah. And and his thoughts and, and views on how to make me better was to make what I had better, bigger, and then take care of what was between my ears. And you know, so you know that that was sometimes that was a a fight, but but my my one thing uh, that whenever my mom said, and then your dad, yeah, but what they said, I trusted them so much, right? That if he told me now, when you come in, you got to come in with a forehand cross court, and you got to do this, you you know, there was never a question, right? You know, that that's what I did, and then the the one the the one thing that I was most proud of is I took it right to that next match. Yep. I, I watched I, it. I didn't wait yeah. six months. Right. You know, and, and because I, I trusted him, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that, that, uh, it was the old saying, if you're not for me, you're against me. You know, he was, he was totally for me, you know, to, to improve and to get better. And, 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 you know, also, I mean, your dad was, uh, you know, to me, the greatest mind in tennis. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, still is. Yeah. He didn't, the one thing I noticed about him, he didn't concentrate on the fundamentals. In other words, you came to him, if Bork had come to him with his forehand, he would never have changed it. So Jimmy came with a compact, really solid game off both sides that glowed on him. He just took that to the next level. Interesting, what, because we, you always say that grandma like taught you kind of a woman's game. Yeah, you know? she and, did, yes. And like, you know, with golf and, and, you know, with how athletic and different and physical the men's game is, women's game kind of gets dubbed more maybe fundamentally sound, let's say, when, they're, when it's coming up. So interesting that you had that as your base. And then when you went to Poncho, it was kind of like, okay, now let's kick it up a notch. Let's kick it up to 10. You know, let's start being more aggressive here and doing this. You know, like, so you kind of almost added the, you know, the quote unquote male side of the sport. Right. That's exactly right. Because, you know, I had a very simple, not very complicated game. Right. You know, it was, uh, you know, take the racket straight back and straight through. And, you know, when I first saw your dad play, he had a two-handed forehand, you know which was like my two-handed backhand. Right. So, you know, here it was just back and just, you know, the way simple, he, simple, right. And, and clean. I think what Jimmy, exactly. thinking yeah. back to those days, what, what Jimbo had was first off, he had these really good fundamentals that you could quickly do these things with, to be quite honest with you, you can't just do them unless you have mm-hmm. a basic. Okay. Which no, we've always talked about your return, but these approach shots were huge. So in other words, He's playing you. You get short. He can hit a approach shot on the run, on the move. Now he's where he separates him. Not only does he have better approach shots than, I've got to go back to his era. If he was a baseliner, those guys didn't have those shots. And then on top of it, they didn't volley well. Right. So then he now develops a game where he's got the big return because he, he steps in on your second serve. He's hitting deep, down at your feet, hard balls. And then if you get in the rally with him, after you have about an exchange of five balls, if you get short, he's in on you, and he can volley. Right. And he's not afraid to volley, and he knows where to volley. 
and he knows how to volley. He can not just technically, he'll drop you a volley, he'll hit you short a volley. In those days, in the courts, the balls weren't bouncing at Wimbledon like, you know, mm -hmm. today where they've set up. And, and so he developed this offensive game from the backcourt, which was set up with a big return. Mm. If you st if nobody stayed back, but let's say it's on cement now. On cement, you keep wear you down and you're going to get a short ball. So the only guys that were, there were some great clay quarters that we give them a match on clay, but on cement for numerous years, the top world champs, you know, all have a time where they all say, oh, she's, I made number one. Now I want to take a little rest. Mm. But I mean, he's, he dominated these guys on the, on any kind of court other than clay, because we really didn't play that much on clay, to be honest with you. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think, how many times you played a French Open? Before you were 30. Uh, not enough. Yeah, I mean, not enough. <laughs> a few I mean, times. Yeah, a few times. I think a lot of players today get dubbed, you know, that they're not good volleyers. Um, and I think a lot of it might just be like what you're saying. Like a lot of it is the approach shot. Yeah. You know, you, you look at when they choose to come in and when they, you know, the shots they do follow to net, a lot of times will be just almost like a ball down the middle. Or you know what I mean? Or, or like they come in with not a lot behind it. And then they either get passed or they, you know, they hit it low at their feet and they miss the volley or whatever. Right. And then they get disheartened and, oh man, they're not a good volleyer. And it's like, I mean, it might be because they're just choosing the wrong ball to come in. Yeah. Or, or because they don't do it enough. You got to do it a lot to yeah. get, to get used to doing it and to understand where they're coming. And to feel okay getting passed. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if yeah. they make the pass, it's almost like good on you. You know, you force that position, you force that, that moment where it's like, look, you either pass it or I'm going to be here to knock yeah, the next yeah, shot yeah. off. Yeah. I played matches, especially when I got older Yeah, that, that I had to shorten the points, Right. you know? And, and so, you know, I, I would, I would say to my, to, in my own mind that, that in this set, I'm tired. He's tired. We're in the fifth set. He's going to have to pass me 40, 50 times. Let him do it. Let, yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. If, they, if they do it, that's too good. Right. But I, I still, you know, had to be patient and, and not come in, you know, on, on a, you know, on a whim. I had right, to right. really pick my shots and, and come in. But, and then that's another thing that your dad taught. Your dad taught me such good court sense yeah. on where to attack, when to attack, how to attack. Right. You know when when to think you let let them think that you're going to but not yeah right you know, right you know there's there's more yeah. you know and and you know I, I was uh, accused many times of playing mind games well tennis is a mind game yeah uh, you know it, it's I'm in my own mind too so I'm I'm sometimes my biggest battles out there were in my own head yeah I can see, yeah make it for any champ I can see that well I mean, it's like chess I mean it's like this long five hour chess match where there's not a clock. Yeah you know so you you know you're making moves going back and forth it is like you know in your theater one one on one. So when you so that is mental. So when you return like he did, or like maybe Djokovic today, um, the server you're under pressure. You're thinking, if I miss the first, I got to serve really well all the time. That I got to serve great because he, he was returning too good. So you press on your serve. So now what you, my dad would say, he's pressing. He's having to serve too hard. He's going to serve a lot of seconds. I want you moving on his second serve. You're going to be moving around. They say Jimbo's moving around. It's like bad behavior, you know. No, he's moving because he's going to move into the ball, but and it's also intimidating. It's all legal, right? And you're getting your momentum. And you're getting going into forward. the guy's mind on the on his serve, right? What would, what would your dad think about Alcaraz? Did you watch the Wimbledon yeah, final? Yeah, I did. I watched him. I mean, to me, okay. So the one thing I saw, it's a big age difference, okay? Yeah. Uh, and but I mean, he's like somebody who's already you know, putting the pressure on the servers. Yeah, like he's, he's not necessarily a huge server. He's a good yeah. server already, but all the guys he's coming up against, a lot of them are big servers. Yeah. And he's already at 20, able to kind of neutralize a lot of his opponent's biggest weapon with his return. He's got like shots that nobody has. I mean, he's got, 
inside the court, he can angle. Outside the court, he can float the ball. He's, he's got every kind of shot. I think his back end's even better. I think his back end's his best shot of the two. Uh, they were having long exchanges, and Djokovic pulled him out wide to his back end. And the guy from behind the baseline, I think this is a lot of youth, his talent and his youth. He was able just to drive right. the ball from way back. Now, see, 36 years old, 37 years old, you don't have those springs in your leg that this guy has. You just don't have them. Right. And this guy's so advanced in his talent that, you know, he went, he ends up winning that match, which, you know, was it was a very close match. I think from now on, though, he's only going to improve. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Djokovic is improving from here. I mean, I don't right. see that. Yeah. I look at that also, and and I don't uh, ever want to count a guy like Djokovic out, right? You know, because because of what it means to him, yeah. what he's continuing to look to do, you know. So you always got to you know keep keep that in your mind, even though he's playing against guys that are you know tw- 12, 14, whatever half his age, almost ha- yeah, half his years, yeah, but half his age. You no, know, it's like he's thirty six or whatever. He's he's not going to quote unquote. Get better, but then, but maybe this but guy might, could. But he's going to be able to go and beat Alcaraz on any given match. So, sure, I mean but, I don't think that's what you're saying, but you, I know what you mean. Alcaraz's ceiling is we're not there. He might be at 80, 75 or eighty percent of his potential. Right, right. You know, which is a crazy thought. <laughs> yeah, but it, but you know, some somebody when we talk about this all the time, I mean, he he's the next generation, you know, and he's the one that's going to take the game to the next level. You know, because you know, Fed, Federer's gone, mm-hmm. uh, Nadal injured, mm-hmm. you, yeah. know, you know, hopefully he can come back, you know, maybe he wants to play one more year. Uh, hopefully With uh, that, the Olympics in Paris next year. So maybe, yeah. you know, try yeah. and play the French and that. Well, I hope that happens, you know, and, and Djokovic is uh, 35, 36. So, I mean, people don't understand that when athletes get to that point of 35, 36, what they've put their body through. I know. And also their mind to play five hour matches and, and to play under that kind of pressure and, and all that, that, but to me, that was the fun part of it, you know, trying to figure, you know, put mind and body together and, and come out on top, but it, it takes its toll. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady played until he was 42 or, or whatever. And, yeah. you know, but, but you don't see many of those, you know, it's a team sport, but, but you're right. It thinks it's like every, Every so often there's a guy who comes and puts like his stake in the ground is like, okay, now I'm the guy everyone's going to chase. Yeah. You know, and well, like you Alcaraz know, for, could be in the process of doing that. That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know, Fed did it. Everyone chases Fed. Then Nadal kind of does it. And then uh, Djokovic has done it. And everyone's been chasing, you know, Djokovic for the last decade. Right. And then now who's it going to, it hasn't been Zverev. It hasn't been Sitsi. These other guys. No, have, no know, they're not well, going to do it. Done well, but not been Grand Slam champions yet. And then all of a sudden this 20 year old Spanish kid comes along and he's, we were talking earlier about, he's not that, he's not super tall. No. He might be six foot. He like, plays big though. Well, for sure. It plays yeah. big. He plays yeah. on the rise and then he plays on the, he, he plays it all. He plays right. back and back. Another right. thing about him that I noticed is if you, if you ever watch Nadal when he's doing his bottles and stuff, Nadal is kind of like almost, he looks like he's double jointed. His fingers are very like bendy and like kind of long, you know, like when he grips his racket and he gets all the like spin on it. I, I don't know how to explain it. He just looks like he might be double jointed. I had a chance to, to do some work for Tennis Channel, drone work, and, and Alcaraz was doing this golf show, like down in Indian Wells. Got a chance to just shake his hand and just yeah. talk to him for 30 seconds. Super yeah. nice kid. And I noticed he has kind of like, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it, just athletic, like, hands where it looks like they're, like, double-jointed, mm-hmm. you know? And I think if you're like that, you're, you're athletic. Like, you're double-jointed everywhere. Right. You know, you got those quick muscles, and, and you're strong. And, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but when you, when you look... 
look how he grips the racket or if you're able to see his hands and, and they kind of they kind of look similar to, to Rafa's a little bit to me. Yeah, you know, uh, we talk we talk about Alcaraz and and what he does and you say that his return but but we also got to think, you know, maybe he doesn't have the biggest serve out there, but but he sure backs it up well. And he served well at Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, he's way he better than I've seen him serve. He serves smart. Like, yeah. you know, he he gets out wide and does and that he, kicker. And he was hitting a lot of first serves and he, and he's he served as well as I've I've watched him play four or five times. I've seen him serve a lot, not as well as in right. other matches. But, uh, he, but he backs it up so well. He doesn't give you, you know, give you many free points. He right. makes you earn it. And 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 then when you do earn it, you pay the price. You know, you hit that one extra ball or or whatever so that I'll go back to the French. When, yeah. uh, when Djokovic beat him in the French, he wore him down. Yeah. Right? He, he wore uh, Alcaraz down. Kind of weird that we you you even said that might have been like mental. Yeah, but but now but it, that didn't happen at Wimbledon. No, you yeah, learned you know, from it quick. Learned from it. Yeah, quick. I guess had the tiebreaker missed an easy ball. Or... Yeah, I mean Djokovic had like something like whatever it was fifteen straight tiebreak wins, and he wasn't making hardly any unforced errors, and had like three in that one yeah. in the second set, and the shot in the fifth set, the overhead uh, slash swing volley that he chose to not hit the overhead. It looked like it might be out, and he puts it in the net. And you know, like who knows if that was on break point? If he breaks there, does he might he might be the champion? Yeah, you I know? felt I felt the other guy had the legs, and meaning Alcaraz, I thought Alcaraz was quicker on the court, recovering better, and I thought that he could have run away with it almost after. But, yeah, but also Joker could have been up two sets to love. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. So, so where where's, where does this leave the guys who who over the past four or five years before Alcaraz came up, the Zaros and the Sitsipas and the Med Medvedev's had a great year. Med yeah. so he's you know, kind of got the wrong game. What did he lose yeah, in Wimbledon but, uh, to him? Didn't well, he get to like the semis or something? No, 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 what was the score with Alcaraz? Three sets. That's three yeah. sets. Yeah, he's got the game. See, this guy can he's move it and play court. short. So uh, this kid comes in and play, he, while Medvedev's at the wall, he can slice short, angle him off, or yeah. drop shot him. He's got too many, uh, what do you say, tricks in the bag right. for uh, Medvedev. He has all the variety shots. And Medvedev doesn't have any. Yeah, I mean, Med's got a decent drop shot, but I mean, he Medvedev's built to play on hardcore. He loves that one style, and, and he's fucking good at it. Well, right. he needs yeah. to stand in on the second serve, and that's it. Yeah, he needs that's to weird watching that. He needs to go up to the line and attack second serves. Yeah. Because most people he can get away with it with. That's what I think <laughs> it is. Not this guy. Because, I mean, sometimes when he's that far back, it takes him a shot or even two to kind of get himself back up to right. the baseline. Right. But if the other person isn't making him pay for that, then all of a sudden he's back to neutral. You right. know, after a shot or two, okay, now I'm in neutral. Fuck it, you know. But with Alcaraz, like you said, with the angles and coming in, like he might serve and volley or, you know, you never know. So he doesn't let him get away with it the same. So, so you know, we, we've been talking for, uh, uh, almost since the beginning when we started this podcast about the next hybrid Mm -hmm. You know, the hybrid. Oh, yeah, we always talk about it. Yeah, so is, is Alcaraz the hybrid? Yeah. Let's explain what the hybrid is. You know, the hybrid tennis player is, is, is the one that can play modern-day tennis, which is the power tennis, which is the uh, swing away and... and uh, in, the equipment. And with the equipment and the strings and, and you know, everything racket. that that allows you to do with kind of an old-school attitude, yeah. uh, you know, that, that allows him to mix his shots up and, and to understand the value in that, you know, an angle here or, you know, try to bring your opponent in there or you get to the net a little quicker or whatever. So well, moving forward, you know what I mean? I feel like the, almost the biggest basic of tennis is to move forward. Mm -hmm. Like you're always trying to move forward and, you know, kind of take, get a short ball, move forward and, and knock a shot off. And he does that. You can tell, like, he's not giving you that extra shot or two no. to like, to like, you know, get into your rhythm or whatever. He's, 
putting the pressure on you moving forward like you always used to do. Yeah. And he angles the ball, too. He angles, he goes deep. Uh, I mean, I think the only way to beat him, and I think he may be improving beyond that. I mean, not only way to beat him, but the way to beat him is to attack his second serve. So he's not got a huge serve. So if you can hit, hurt him on his second serve, that's the way to play him. And that's why Djokovic does very well with him, beating him one, how many times they played. Like, I think so. They, they, they've each beat it, yeah, a couple yeah. times, something like that. I mean, so you need a player that can attack and can volley, which, and how many guys do that today? Yeah. So and not, not yeah. I mean, one, and it's Djokovic, he's 35. Mm -hmm. so, Crazy part, though, <laughs> is seeing him do it and then knowing that J Joker, Fed, Nadal, that era has done it, how so many people like, don't give the love to volleying and those kind of tactics that they should. Yep. That it just becomes like so much of this rallying and the ground strokes, and they're all so great at that. Because they only want to do what they're good at. They they don't want to, you know, and maybe think outside the box and, you know, and try to improve, you know. But even when they see the the other guys who do do it have such success, yeah. is it just that they can't? I mean, it's just hard, but it's just... Well, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you, once you get used to a certain style and even though, I mean, you know, I, I used to sit with, with Poncho and, and, and watch matches, you know, and, and hear what he had to say. Look, look how he's coming in. Look, look, you know, look, look how low he's staying. Look, look, and look where he's trying to catch the ball. The ball's going to be out here, you know, and, and. You know, I was a sponge anyway. Yeah. You know, I soaked up everything and and just trying to listen to him and 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 hear. You know, okay, what happens? You know, okay, what happens, Pancho? If if I'm hitting it and he's running to his backhand side and in his in his racket turns slightly open, he says in. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. you know without hesitation. Mm -hmm. You know, because you got to be pretty good to be able to hit a passing shot with a slice. Right. Right. You know, so you, it can happen, mm -hmm. but, but at least, at least I'm doing the right thing. That's what, that's what I always thought. And, and always, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the biggest serve, but every day I practiced my serve. You know, I, I, I didn't have one big serve, but I had six pretty damn good ones. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I could slice it. I could kick it. I could jump it. I could, you know, come at you, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. I didn't have erotic serve, you know, so I had to figure something out, Yeah. you know, but the idea of, of, working on things that, I mean, nobody likes to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, work on things that you're not really uh, the best at. You always like to go off of their feeling, hey, you know, listen, I hit that backhand up the line or that backhand cross. Right. You know, but I always ended doing something that I wasn't, that I was trying to get better at. So that when I got into, uh, you know, my next match and I did it, it wasn't so foreign to me. You had and, just done it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I'm just, I was just thinking about Alcaraz and, now, his second serve was, it's improved already, I think. I'm, I've only seen him play five, six times, but his serve at Wimbledon was very good. There is a way to beat Alcaraz. And you just need to find the player that has the ability to do it, and then you have to teach him how to do it, right? I mean, in other words, if there's a way to attack his second serve, like the Rune beat him, uh, the kid Runa. from yeah, Rune, no, not uh, Rudd, but Rune. Runa, the, yeah, yeah. Rune kind of doesn't play so smartly, but <laughs> he, he has sort of an attack of the second serve. He, he stands in, he attacks, and he's a very athletic kind of mm -hmm. guy. That kind of guy. Runa's got some potential, though. Yeah, got huge potential. Yeah, he, he has a very bad. I feel like he's pretty raw still. I don't know who his coach is, but he, he makes really bad decisions. Like, he drops shots from behind the baseline at 30 all on his serve. Yeah, I feel like he's the rawest where he has the, the he's got some room to like yeah. to move up and, and challenge Alcaraz. He could be that one if, if taught the right way. But if now, if this guy makes another move, Mm -hmm. uh, you could be, he's the next, uh, he's one next one of the big three. I mean, he's, 
he could easily go 10 years like this if you don't have guys that can learn how to return big and volley right. and come in behind the ball oh. and hurt him. Otherwise, you're not going to beat him from the backcourt stand for He's a maestro. Yeah. He's got chips. He's you're got drop shots. Him. He's got angles. He's got fades. He can do anything. Those guys don't can't do it. And then he comes in behind him, backs it up, and volleys on you. Yeah. So, and he can, he's a great lobber. And so, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so uh, the other guys don't have those things yeah. yet. And it might take them till they're 28 to learn it. You and know? you're right. He's going to keep improving because you know he works hard. Yeah. And he's yeah. out there. He's going to try and add more and more kind of trick and fun shots to his yeah. game. Well, I mean, you know, for me, we've kind of been waiting for, for a guy like that to come around. I mean, you know, tennis has. Tennis kind of, has, exactly. You know. Yeah, exactly right. Now that he's here, I, I, I hope tennis embraces him. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and... and Feels and, like they are. Well, you know, I hope so. He seems like a good kid. I mean, he smiles a lot. Like, you couldn't almost ask for a better... Yeah. A better... Very yeah. good. Very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, seems like really nice, always smiling, really positive, respectful to, like, the people when we talked about, you know, slicing, he said he... We talked about it on the show, uh, Martina Navratilova told him he needs to slice a little more. And he yeah. started doing it and he went and talked to her. He had the trophies like, I listen to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so it's like if he's willing to listen to the smart people around him, yeah. then, you know, who hey. knows how good he can get it. Uh, and, 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 who, and who wouldn't take a tip from her anyway? I mean, she's, you know, what, how many times she win Wimbledon? Nine? Nine, yeah. Wow. You could have won it more, I think. But yeah. anyway. Won a lot of doubles yeah. and mixed doubles too. Yep. Take a bite out of summer with HelloFresh. From chef-crafted seasonal recipes to their new fresh and fit summer menu, HelloFresh brings the flavor right to your door. Pre-portioned ingredients help cut down on waste, while step-by-step instructions make cooking a breeze and not a chore. I know that's what I love about it. It comes with everything you need all in one package. The directions are there. It's foolproof. I'm not a great cook, but it helps me out. Did you know HelloFresh offers more than just delicious dinners? It's now easier than ever to skip that extra grocery store run by adding snacks, sides, and even more to your weekly order. You know I love sides. Simply shop HelloFresh Market and take your pick from a curated selection of over 100 items. All right, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not the best cook in the world. Don't let anyone know that. But when I got HelloFresh, I have everything I need to make myself look like one. I don't have time to shop. I'm busy. I'm on the go. They send it all to me, comes right to my door, all the portions I need, all the ingredients, the instructions. They even have pictures to show you what it's supposed to look like. Everything you need and what I need is there for you in HelloFresh. I love it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Connors50 and use code Connors50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Connors50 and use code Connors50 for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Well, talk to me. We put out a picture today on Instagram with somebody we'd really like to get on the show. So we're going to talk about him a little bit here. One Mr. Ely Nastasi. Oh, yeah. Uncle Nasty, yep. as he's known for me, my godfather, shout out. Yep. Yeah. You're out there somewhere. Yeah. Love to get you on the pod. So talk to me a little bit about Nastasi and give me, give me a good Nastasi story or something fun. Well... <laughs> You know, look, <laughs> that X, we can speak X-rated. of. Yeah. <laughs> I went and played my first men's tournament when I was 15, and I went back to uh, it was uh, Bill Ridden who ended up being, you know, my manager at the years to come. Uh, had his own independent players tour, and Nasty was, you know, was one of the stars of it. And and so my first tournament, I, I go back and and I and I went around and I play Nasty in in the second round. He he beats me. 
Yeah. And closer, did he kick your ass? No, it, it was you know closer than I ever I expected at mm -hmm. the time. But <laughs> yes. you know, maybe, maybe it was a little gentle on me too. Okay. You, you, don't, you don't know. So I'm I'm in the locker room and I got you know kind of got my head down because now shit I got to go back to school and I, you know go through all that. And he, his English wasn't so hot, and, and uh, you know, that's all I did speak was English. And, you know, my Spanish was very weak. My French was worse. And, Rom uh, and you're Romanian. Uh, yeah, my Romanian was terrible. We, uh, you know, kind of go eat. Uh, so gestures uh, to his mouth. Yeah, just to, yeah. You know, just to go, you know, go and get, get something yeah. to eat. And from that moment on, we became good friends. Where'd you guys go eat? You remember? Yeah, well, I didn't have much money in my pocket, so it had to be a fast food place. <laughs> you paid? <laughs> I told him, you won, so you pay. <laughs> That's and, funny. But it was interesting because I got to play a few more tournaments on the tour. And, you know, we became better friends. And, and it was almost like he, he took me under his wing a little bit to, you know, kind of, you know, guide me around at the beginning to, you know, you know, and can you imagine having him a guide, you know? How many years older is he than you? Uh, six. Six years yeah. older, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, so I was 15, he was 21. Oh, yeah. And, uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect influence you know, at 21. Yeah, very good influence. <laughs> uh, I was learning quick. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jim, but would you say he was sort of a maestro? I mean, he had a lot of feel. He could do a lot with the tennis ball. Spence, to me, to me, if, 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 he, if he had the right mind, he should have been the best ever. Yeah. You know, uh, he could ship, he could dink, he could drop shot, he could, remember the topspin lobs he could throw? And move. And move, he moved better than anybody right. I've ever seen. He yeah. moves better than even, he moves as, like Alcaraz, but he, he was a stronger guy than I think Alcaraz, so yeah. physically. I mean, he he yeah. would know where you were hitting the ball before you did. And, he and, flowed, he yeah. flowed, the guy flew. You know, going back and, and listening and, and to a lot of players and, you know, being able to go and watch when, whenever he played, yeah. the, the amount of players that went to watch him yeah. was, was crazy. Yeah, I agree. You know, because for two reasons. One, because he was so good. Yeah. And two, because he was so crazy. <laughs> and, 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 you know, which made it even more because, you know, you knew you were going to get good tennis if he kept his mind straight. Right. And anything else you got was a bonus. I mean, he had a great first serve. Yeah. Great first serve. He had a very good second serve. He had a top seven backhand, big forehand. Yeah. Could slice the backhand. Good at net. Good at net, good at yeah. net, not great at net. He he, no, not it, felt not flawed at net. He didn't volley to put but it he away. But was so quick, it didn't matter. But yeah, he he, he, he kind of under hit yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, he had a great game. He had a great. I mean, I would say one of the most exciting players to ever watch yeah. tennis uh, that I ever saw. Traveling with him was was crazy, especially in Europe. When I got older, when I turned pro, when I was nineteen, and mm -hmm. and uh, you know we we were still, we played we were playing doubles together and. And, uh, you know, walk, walking with him around Europe, I don't want to be a, called a rock star, but, but he was, yeah. you, you know, walking, especially, in, especially in Europe <laughs> and, and, uh, in the States, he was he'll becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause he got to the finals of the U S open and he won the U S open mm -hmm. and, big personality and a great, oh, pers yeah. great personality, you know, very, very flamboyant and, you know, on the court great with people, great with people, especially off the court on right. the court. He was, you know, kind of rough sometimes, you but know, like but cocktail parties and that stuff. He was like oh, perfect for the that. Best, yeah. best the, ever. the best. And, and, you know, especially, you know, especially, uh, you know, when he would walk in, I mean, he kind of guy that, you know, the room would just go silent. Yeah. Walking a big smile on his face. And, you know, the first thing he went to is he was looking for the babies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know, you know, and, He'd oh, pick up girls oh. from the court. Uh, during the match, and say, uh, "Here's my number. What's your number?" And, right. And, yeah. and they'd stop the point. You know, he'd been in the middle of game one the, a couple yeah. times. That's funny. I mean, stuff he did, and it, I heard, you know what? It was entertaining for sure. Yeah, it wasn't just. I heard he had maybe a problem committing. Like he'd be out <laughs> at the club, and 
every girl would like him and he wouldn't know what yeah, he, uh, especially, uh, especially, especially if he had an opportunity to see more than one, <laughs> you know, he'd be going from one to the other and to the other. And then at, the, at the at the end of the night, he'd be, I say, Nasty, where is everybody? He says, I go home alone. I go home by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen often, though. But, no, I but, doubt it. But he, he, was, he was so fun and just to hang, uh, you know, going out to dinner and, and uh, you know, the experience of... Yeah. You know, I think he sp he speaks seven languages, seven eight languages. Yeah, super and, smart. You know, very smart. Do you do you remember when we? Uh, it was one summer. I don't know. It might have been ninety one before your comeback for the open, and we were staying and playing out at Vetus's. Yeah, uh, staying with his mom. Remember? Sure. Uh, where where'd you, was it? Long Island or Kings where, or Kings, Kings Point? Kings Point. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. Kings Point. And we were staying, in, and and he had the court there, and uh, Uncle Nasty came out. He had his Ferrari, right? Right. Oh, so he, yeah. had, he had this old red Ferrari, badass Ferrari. And we were playing. And I remember we had one of those uh, golf because we were really starting to get into golf. Mm -hmm. And Vetus was into golf. So Vetus, you guys are out there playing tennis. But in between the tennis, we're all taking the weighted, these weighted golf uh, swing aids that has almost like a, it looks like a, like a scooper at the bottom, like a foot, like, you know, like, and then that's the weight. So that's the weight. And you use it to like loosen up. Right. And so in between we were hitting golf balls with it. And like, we even had some, uh, some tennis balls and we were smacking it and, you know, not trying to hit it far, just trying to kind of hit Make it into contact. the court. Yeah. Just, just to, to swing it. And of course I get up there, haul off and smack the ball. It, it flies over the fence, mm. hits Mrs. G's house, Vetus's house <laughs> at the top, like towards the top of the roof and falls straight down on the nasty Ferrari. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I don't think it was bad, but no. it was just, the moment was so funny because it was just like, of course, it barely misses the fence. It hits the one part of the roof, you know, and it falls right onto the Ferrari. And we all look at each other like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Hope he's not watching. Yeah, yeah but, he, but he didn't care no, actually. He was no. like, whatever, that's right. You know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, his, his attitude on the court compared to off the court was so different yeah uh, you know then and, and um, i i asked him one time about that and he says you know sometimes you know the stress the pressure he said but you know so then then why other times not uh, could never understand that uh, he couldn't yeah. quite understand it himself that you know why sometimes that uh, the pressure was more you know than than other times or less than other times and mm. But his, you know, his mind, yeah. uh, when, when he was in it and he could stay in it, uh, he was, it was really, he was something to watch. He won the French a, a bunch, didn't he? Uh, 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 he once. Once. Yeah. 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 He opened in the French. Uh, he should have won Wimbledon. He, he played uh, Smith in the final. Yeah. I, I, I stand, my dad coached Stan, as you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I think he was a better player than Stan. I love Stan, but I mean, just. But yeah. the, the, one, the one thing about Nasty uh, is when he was on the court and he, and he would get pissed that he couldn't get pissed and then let it go. He let it linger. You get in fights with players that were ha tenth of as good as him and go three sets and be in a fight the whole match. Right. I mean, Complaining seven, and, five in the third with the guy he should beat through and two. Yeah. But he could never let it go and just kind of, you know, spit it out and, and get on with it. He, you know, he would let it go for two, three, four games, maybe, maybe more. Oh, the whole set. And then, then the set could be gone. Exactly. And, right. and, and then uh, he got tight and he turned into a dinker at times too. He would, he would chip and, you know, he'd play like, uh, you know, that dink. He's like pickleball. Cat mouse game. He had a lot of feel and he tried to junk you like, oh yeah, you know, give you nothing, give you nothing kind of game. And right. then when he needed to, you know, almost like Mumphy plays a little bit sometimes. Right. 
cat he, and mouse. That like guy kind of played a little bit. Batter. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, let's get him on the show. So I'm just hoping that uh, we talk about it. Maybe someone out there who listens will uh, put him in touch. Or I know you talk to him a little bit once I in did. a while. Yeah. We could see. I mean, I'd rather do it in person. Get, get yep. all of us in person. If he's at the U.S. Open, maybe we can. Uh, well, a shout out to if he's at the out. Open that uh, you know we'll we'll hook up with him and uh, and he he does a podcast. I'll take him to dinner. Perfect. Yeah. We went to Romania with him. You did. Yeah, yeah. the th- two of us. Uh, he he played a big exhibition. Yeah. The prime minister was Ceausescu, the big. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, that's right. And Jimmy played him with twenty four thousand people mm. indoors. I I I played like a little warm up match against some guy from Romania, but then they played him. Was it five set match? I don't remember. Yeah, but we we had anyways. We had the best time of our lives. We he took us out every night. We went out to these restaurants where we went with the head of the secret police, and then like and the guy we'd order. I'd say, well, I'll take the roast beef, and the guy go, oh, we don't have it. Just, and the the, the the CIA guy would go, give him the wink. You get him the roast beef. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and every that roast beef came. That's funny. That's and then funny. then we had a party where they they had gypsy singers and. Oh, it's so special. Yeah, it was an amazing trip, yeah, especially with him. I mean, because yeah. driving down, he shows the, you everything. Driving down the street, I mean, he'd go by and they're, they're they, and they'd salute him, uh, you know, <laughs> to, knowing his car and and, uh, and, and and you know him. He was eating that up too. He he loved it. He's yeah. also one of the best dressed guys. He, he had every suit that the best French, t- Italian. Right. And English, right? Yeah, made clothing in the world. I don't think anybody in the world dressed better than him. I remember going to. He had that apartment down the street from the Regency that oh, we'd always go over. Right. To. It was pretty sweet, sweet little spot he had there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a place like three three blocks from Roland Garros. Yeah, really. Uh, he had a place in Monte Carlo. Uh, he had a place in New York, and he had a place in Romania. I mean, he was he he <laughs> he recorded a song and and it was just because i said all that it was called globetrotter lover hey, uh, really? yeah uh, yeah for oh, real globetrotter lover we got to track that down yeah uh, yeah i'd sing a few bars but i just can't bring myself yeah. to do it <laughs> well he you know he likes to gamble you guys made a little bet about about me when i was when mom was pregnant with me i right? did yeah, yeah. Well, yeah we did and, and i played a series of exhibitions uh before uh August 1st right and and uh, uh, was traveling through the south of France and playing with him and and he says uh, he says Connor's boy he says no no way you can have a boy no no way I said I said I'm telling you I, I said you know what he didn't believe in your thrusting power <laughs> <laughs> oh, politically incorrect. I said I'm telling you I said nasty I said I want to have a boy he says I'll bet you 500 bucks so I I've I, been I making you a winner since day one <laughs> that's right yeah, you've been you know, picking good ones for me that's funny and and so I I played um I was playing a tournament in New Hampshire and I played my first round and, and your mom called right before I walked on the court. And I said, do I have time to play this match? And, and uh, Dr. Greg, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shout a family out. friend, shout out to Dr. Greg. Uh, says, yeah, you do, but, uh, make it quick, make it quick, get on, get on the plane home. <laughs> so I did that. And, and, uh, I, I arrive and I go right to the hospital and your mommy was in, uh, like 20 something hours of labor. So doc, you know, finally had to say, you know, too, too traumatic time to, you know, yeah. bring, bring you out, C-section. bring you home. And, uh, so, so in a C-section and, and so from like three o'clock and I finally got back to my, to our apartment at, uh, like six o'clock in the morning 
And I walk in and I barely put my head on the pillow to, and, and the phone rings yeah. and, and, and it was as nasty. He goes, Connors, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, and I said, I told you, I warned you. And he, say, he says, you're a little stronger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it was funny. And, and, uh, and then you traveled. To New York, yeah, for the and, open and, uh, a couple weeks later with uh, and nasty and and was there and you know, we we got to the hotel and he was first sight to see you. Nice yeah. and and Alex too. Did, oh, did you yeah. get the five hundred? I did. I okay, collected. Good. Yeah, you better collect. <laughs> also, shout out Ann Alex. Yeah, too. Uh, love her. Just one other thing before we wrap up. What do you guys think Washington's going on right now? Okay, I know you had some success in Washington. Super hot place to play. It looks brutal yeah. on the court there with the humidity and everything. Some of the tournaments are clay. You know, they go from the grass. We've kind of talked about this before, mm -hmm. but isn't it weird when you think it's, hey, it's supposed to be now hardcore season, and then a lot of guys stay in Europe and they play a couple more clay events before they come over? I mean, you, you said this a number of years ago that uh, playing more and more tournaments in Europe, more and more tournaments on clay. Right. You know, uh, is, is that because of the style? It seems to be that if they come over on the hard courts, they're, they're not that fast. And, and, you know, the, the balls are the, I guess, more or less the same. So the court bounces and everything the same. So it doesn't matter anymore. I don't think really. Right. Well, also I mean, doesn't, I mean, it seems like if, if you're one of those players, you keep your base level at clay because the way the year is set up, you're able to just keep bouncing back to clay. You know, you have like Australian swing early, then there's a little clay there. Right. You yep. know, and like before you come to Indian Wells in Miami, then there's all, the whole clay season in French. You know, then they go to the grass, and then after Wimbledon, there's some more clay. Right. And then there's some clay, I think, after U.S. Open snuck in there somewhere. <laughs> right. You know? But you still have to, but if you're going to be a champ, you got to be able to play yeah. on cement. But, I mean, I just think there's players who almost look at as cement as, like, almost like a grass, where it's like, oh, I'm I'm leaving clay to go here for yeah. a couple of weeks, and then I'll be yeah. back. Don't worry. Right. You know, back in, in when I was playing, that uh, you know, there was guys who only did play the clay, you know, come and, you know, play four or five, five or six tournaments or whatever, you know, leading up to the French. And then, you know, after that, you didn't really hear from them. Mm -hmm. I remember one year at, uh, at the French, I played a player, his name was Gabriel Erpy. Okay, I heard of and, you. And, yeah. and uh, Oof, that's a bummer. <laughs> you got teased about that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm everybody's looking at you know looking when I go in the locker room. They say, "Who are you playing?" I say, "I play this guy Erpy," and they they look at me like, and and I and I go out there and warming up, and I'm going. I got a feeling this guy's a lot better than I'm thinking. Right, it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> so right, four and a half hours later. Right. You know, I, I kind of crawl into the locker room going, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, but, you're lucky you beat him. Yeah, but it's interesting uh, that, you know, the guys back then would would, would only show up for the clay, and, and that was about it. But but now that, you know, I hear sometimes, I don't know if this is exaggerated, but it's all basically a clay game, more or less now. Okay, so, and now to be a crybaby that you're playing on medium to slow cement in the old days... Like there were some really fast courts, mm -hmm. and those guys were out in the first round. Right. Just like if Arthur Ashe and, and, and the regular good great Americans went, they were out in the first, second round of the French in the old days. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, no, I mean, it's right. I mean, you, uh, especially if you're a Californian, uh, most of the, the, the tennis was on hard courts. Yeah. Uh, and, and back then, you know, California was you know, where all the camps and, and where all the tennis yeah, was. academies and everything. The college tennis, USC, UCLA, Stanford, mm -hmm. you know, were the, you know, were the powerhouses. And, and uh, you know, now that's all changed because of the surfaces. Florida. Uh, mostly in Florida, right? right. So, and the slower courts. So, 
the balls were quicker back mm-hmm. then. They were smaller. They didn't. Uh, they weren't lighter. as heavy, lighter, yeah. and move quicker through the air. And then when they they'd hit the court, they'd you know kind of stay low and skip on through. So you know the game has changed, mm-hmm. and yeah. and, uh, and and the surfaces too. So I mean, but the the surfaces have been changed to fit the game. Right. You know, Back before, you know, a McEnroe and a Borg or whatever, they had to change their game to fit the surface. Whatever it was that week. Whatever it was that week, yeah. right. They don't have to do it quite as much now. Well, what about Washington? Just in a, in a quick minute. What, what you, you obviously liked playing there. You had success there, winning it multiple times. What was it about Washington that you liked? Yeah, I, I liked going there. I had friends there, a lot of friends, and, and uh, I didn't mind playing in the heat. I, I kind of liked it. I, you know, I'm from a, a that's the worst heat, that little, place. little town in Illinois, in Saint, right near St. Louis, and you know, that's pretty devastating heat. And uh, when I was trained by your grandfather, I mean, he trained me in a way, but he also put me in a rubber suit, yeah. you know, so that I'd be in that heat and humidity playing in a rubber suit because he says, you, if you can play in this for this amount of time, those four and a half hour or whatever amount of matches in, in that heat and humidity won't bother you. It used to be like two weeks yeah. after Wimbledon, that tournament. Remember? We, yeah, a couple of weeks after, right. And then these guys Washington. would come from England yeah. and you're into that. You're, it's so hot. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's it's brutal, and it, but 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 Washington—they're a very knowledgeable crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they love the tennis, and I mean, even going back to you know the the days of you know when it was on clay, and you know uh, Cliff Ritchie and Andres yeah. Gimeno, and yeah. you know a lot of great a lot of great uh, great clay court players because you know you came from the French and right. they would be on clay, so you get a lot of that. So watching them play and being able to part of that, and then the crowds—you know—going from clay to which it was back then to hard courts and then what it is now and you know they 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 have a good tennis crowds yeah. yeah it was always fun to play i remember uh being with you in 1988 we stayed with mr donald dell uh, at his get his guest pool house yes. uh you hadn't won a tournament in like three and a half or four years he had gone on a little dry spell mm-hmm. i think yeah and he wins Right, yep. he beat uh, uh, Andres Gomez, I think, in the finals. Yeah, be, be and, Cricker in the semis. Cricker in the semis, yeah. right? And so, uh, Dad, uh, you know, we could go to the the press and everything. Dad's dehydrated, you know. Yeah. Someone hands him a beer, drunk, and then uh, they go. We go out to dinner, and then I, he's like, "Yeah, you know, go go back to the guest house and, and just watch a movie. I'll be back. I'm just gonna go out with uh, who's I, your, Ivan Blumberg. Ivan, Ivan Blumberg. Yeah, was it was your agent? He had a Porsche. I remember this. And uh, he's like, you know, go, go hang. I'll be home in an hour. So I'm like, all right, go home. Hour, nothing. Two hours, nobody. <laughs> a storm comes in. Starts raining, starts lightning and thunder. And I'm like, holy shit, what's going on? Like, where is he? What's going on? You know? Eventually he comes in, you know, comes in, crashes out, goes to bed. Wakes up the next morning, not feeling so great. Yeah. You, you remember the drink that, you, that Ivan was uh, and you guys were having? On the beach, or uh, watermelon balls. Water, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watermelon balls. Oh, Jesus. And you wake up and you're like, "I'm like, how'd it go last night?" He's like, "You're like, I woke up and Ivan had left me in the Porsche with my with the window down." That's right. You <laughs> just left him. You're like, he left. He fell asleep in the car. He's like, his window down. Dad's sitting there with his watch or whatever. Sitting there, and you just left him. And he just comes back and he comes in and I'm like, uh, let's get you in the pool. You know, let's get you some water. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I had a fun night that night. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't a, feel so good, but well, I, I sure had a fun night. First time, first time in four years. I mean, I think you were, yeah, you know, yeah, it was fun. Good, good memories. Yeah. That was good, awesome. Yeah. A couple things I just want to talk about before we move on. Um, this, did you see the, this, this story? I kind of wanted to compare it. There was the Hollywood strike that's been going on. 
you see that with SAG and the writers mm -hmm. and, and the actors and everything. And then there was a UPS strike and the UPS strike got settled. Did you see this? Right. And that the average salary for a full-time UPS worker is now $49 an hour. Wow. Mm. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, that one gets uh, settled, you know, because you need, you know, the boxes packages, and packages, right. you know, like uh, all of a sudden you don't have that service. But with, uh, you know, with, with movies and everything, because they have so many libraries of all this stuff, you know, you're yeah. already, you're still paying for Netflix, you're still paying for Hulu, you know, even though they're not making new stuff. Right. And I just wanted to, I know you're into the business stuff and I just, you know, maybe LA. They, maybe they should have the, the negotiator for UPS come in and, and, <laughs> and do it for Hollywood. In, in the entertainment thing, I started out as an entertainment lawyer and, and my stepfather was into a big commercial act, did all the commercials and voiceovers. And I looked at, I used to always hear from him. I, if there weren't those unions, we'd, you know, he was doing some, all 90% of his stuff was with the SAG. Right. And then he'd do, he had a beeper mm -hmm. for voiceover and stuff that he'd do off outside of the union or something. Okay. Where they paid cash. So I always believed that, geez, if, if there weren't such unions, there'd be a lot more movies made. In other words, if you didn't have to pay such high prices for everything, then they'd make tons more. And then everybody would make more though. More mm. stars would be born, more everything. And I don't know that I'm right because this guy told me the other day at the tennis club, big producer, he produced uh, Mel Brooks' partner, uh, Michael Hirschfeld, a very nice guy. He's in mm -hmm. his 80s. He said, no, no, that's not the case. He said, it's the, it, it's the cost structure. I had it all wrong. But um, the, the one big thing you notice is 95% of the people in SAG don't make, like you said, $49 an hour. They make right. nothing. They make right. zero. And the top few make a ton. And so the people that aren't making anything don't have anything to lose by striking. What are they losing? They're not making any money anyway. So right. maybe you have the, they're not, they don't really have the, what do they say? The, uh, a, a, a fight, you know, they're not a piece of the, they're not making enough money to make it worth their while to settle. So they just vote whatever way they want. Yeah. That's probably a crazy statement, but anyway. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because of the the whole AI like part of it. We're like, you know, now they're they're wanting to you know maybe pay an actor or somebody once for their voice or their face, and then and then use keep it using it over and over again without having to pay them over oh, and over boy. again. Yeah. So yeah. it seems like it's uh, you know the new technology is kind of forcing this new you know, way of thinking. And going to be interesting to see how long that lasts. Yeah, I just thought yeah. you know, damn, forty nine dollars an hour is not bad. No, and you know, UPS guys. They do a good job. Yeah, they work hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, for, shout out to them for getting it, getting a good deal. Um, okay, I know you got a dentist appointment. You got you had yours this morning. I did. Uh, Spencer's going now the afternoon. My buddy Lance Grant. Shout out Lance Grant, right. the best dentist in the world. Um, <laughs> let's talk about one thing. Sad story this week that happened. Did you see this, Mr. Paul Rubens? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman oh, passed God. away. Yeah. Uh, child star actor. Uh, you know, did movies, was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some other movies, Tim Burton, uh, did some stuff with him. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I saw that. And, and uh, you know, it was interesting uh, the uh, past couple of years that that uh, he's been fighting cancer. And, and uh, it's funny that, you know, I mean, he he fought it very quietly. Mm -hmm. Wasn't out there. And, and uh, you know, eventually, you know, uh, he fell victim to the cancer. But Years and years ago, when he had uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, and mm -hmm. and then he did, uh, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, and and some really, you know, fun and entertainment, and you know, gave a lot of uh, future stars there a start on his on his program, right. and Lawrence uh, Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne was uh, oh, yeah. was was the, was the cowboy, I think, right? And, yeah, yeah. And Phil Hartman was on there. His, really? His, yeah. Oh, wow. He did stuff with Phil. I didn't know any of that. 
Yeah, I was always a fan. I mean, and and you can go back and and say, well, you know, remember what he did and all this kind of stuff. You know what? You know, every, everybody does stuff. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, and what happened? You know, with his career, and and uh, you know, he was kind of you know put on the back burner, and you know, was trying to you know come out and and uh, resurrect his career, but you know. You know, shit happens. Right. Yeah. You know, right. and it happens in sports. It happens in and all that. At and and I mean, you may say, well, you know, how can how can you like him because of this and that? I mean, you know, people do a lot of things. Right. You know, and and uh, uh, I'm, I'm fine liking him. Yeah, I'm fine liking him. I feel too. like he got a pretty raw, a bad deal. Uh, I mean, you got they got to you got to hand to a guy, a guy who can invent a character and make himself world famous. Right. It's like a Charlie Chaplin almost. I yeah. mean. A little, he was ahead of his time. So I feel that, like. that was a brilliant thing he did, and I, I personally, I never watched. I wasn't into that, but uh, yeah, I'm not because it's nothing to do with the scandal or anything. That no, was just, um, but you know, you've had all these actors in time by Fatty or You can go back to the 20s. You get some scandal and mm-hmm. ruin your career of the most, some of the most talented people ever. You yeah, know, we could name Michael Jackson. You right. can go all through the list. And it's a tragedy. Usually, there's some sort of uh, self-defeating thing in there right. that the guy wanted to hurt himself. I, I feel bad for him. Yeah, just seemed seemed lame. I mean, it's kind of you know victimless crime. If you don't know the story, you can look it up. Obviously, he must have gotten set up by somebody. Yeah, I um, mean, he had even. You're right. He is a ridiculous thing. What happened to him? But I mean, at the end was, of the day, he's a kid's actor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fact he had a kid yeah. show obviously is what got him. But yeah. uh, super smart, talented guy. And and uh, if you go back and watch his shows or his movies, uh, they're still funny and they still hold up to this day. And just want to say shout out Pee Wee and, uh, you know. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yep. So, Spencer, Thank I'm going to let guys. you get out of here and go get your Invisalign fitted. <laughs> okay. I know that sounds exciting. <laughs> uh, and everybody out there, you can follow us. You know where to follow us. Leave us a review. Share this with a buddy. And uh, we'll check in with you guys next week. Peace. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.